This is DZFE's Maestro Filipino, a focus for music with a connection to home. For this edition, I'm Daniel. It has been four years since pianist Jet Chong's last visit to our studio. Back then, he was just about to leave for Singapore to start his studies at the Yong Sio To Conservatory of Music. Now, Chong has just completed his degree, which he kept with a recital fittingly entitled Coda. As the cliché goes, every end is a new beginning, and that is exactly what Chong will embark on. A new chapter in his career, heralded by a concert, entitled, also fittingly, New Beginnings, mounted by Manila Piano's artist series and cultural arts events organizer. So, shortly before he returns to the Philippine concert scene, he returned to our studio to tell us about his time in Singapore, his plans for the near future, and, of course, the music he will perform. He also gives us a foretaste of that same music with Robert Schumann's Fantasiestücke, Opus 111. But first, we drop in on our conversation. Here is our guest, pianist Jet Chong. You just came home a couple of weeks ago. It's been four years. So how was your time in Singapore? I definitely feel fortunate to study in Singapore environment-wise because like Singapore is a safe country to be in. Like you can just stay out even till like midnight and you can just walk in the streets and you still feel safe. It's also very convenient transportation-wise. Mm-hmm. As for the school, the School I'm in is NUS, National University of Singapore, which is like usually ranks in the top three in Asia. So that's quite a flex. <laughs> and then, of course, the school that I study in is Yongsito Conservatory of Music. It has amazing facilities. Like, us piano majors get to have Steinway Grand Pianos to practice on. And then we have a really good recording studio, which we can use at a really affordable rate. There's also the great faculty, specifically my teacher, Mr. Albert Yu, who I've learned so much from. The school environment was overwhelming because there were a lot of good, good students. There, I feel very average. <laughs> But then at the same time, it was also inspiring. It really keeps me motivated to keep working hard. Well, I mean, average in one of the top three universities in Asia is... That's not quite average at all. <laughs> yeah, and it's not easy to get into Yongsuto Conservatory either, since every student that's accepted there get to have like full tuition scholarship mm-hmm. plus stipend and accommodation. So like competition is really tough. That's why I was really, really glad when I found out that I got into YSD Conservatory. Yeah, of course, that was four years ago. It's oh, time just flies. What was the culture like? I'm sure it wasn't just all intimidating or anything. How would you compare the musical culture at the National University of Singapore to the musical culture you grew up with here? There is like competition, but it's pretty friendly mm. since we all know each other and we usually hang out with each other too. So we will also like give tips to each other to help each other to improve. We also lead like pretty normal lives outside of the piano practice room. We also go out 
to malls, to walk in nature parks.、Mm -hmm. Average people. <laughs> yeah, we try to be average people. Our world cannot just revolve around piano. Yeah, after all.、Mm, definitely. What do you think were some of the challenges of studying abroad during the pandemic? The pandemic started early 2020,、yeah. which is was during my freshman year,、yes. second semester. Welcome to Singapore. <laughs> yeah, during the first semester, there were a lot of concerts to watch. There were a lot of world class visiting artists. There was like Seon Jin Cho, Eric Liu, Kate Liu, all those famous pianists coming by, and there were also a lot of master classes being. Held. Like I think there were about two piano masterclasses per month, and then in the next semester, in the second semester of my freshman year, that's when the pandemic started. Okay, granted, there were a lot of restrictions imposed by the Singapore government. There was the maximum group size. Sometimes it was eight. Sometimes it can go as low as five or two. And then there were also like weekly COVID testing, and daily temperature declarations. We needed to wear masks all the time. But with those restrictions, we were able to keep having like in-person classes,、really? like face-to-face -face classes. I find it weird to have like online classes when you need to do like chamber music or have orchestral rehearsals. I can't imagine doing online classes for that. So luckily for the conservatory, those sort of practical classes don't have to be held online. Although there are some restrictions, like there should be a certain distance from each other.、Mm -hmm. Or that the brass woodwinds or the voice majors have to be enclosed in a glass panel. We also have some online classes during the first semester of second year, but those are only for like lectures、mm. type of classes.、Uh, I think by the third year, we just had purely face-to-face -face classes. Good for you. So the challenges of the pandemic, at least musically, weren't very challenging. <laughs> yeah, just that I feel like there was a lack of exposure too. Due to the pandemic, right, since right. there were less visiting artists coming by to give masterclasses or give concerts, right. That's a good point. Still, that was a good four years in Singapore. So maybe what、yes. what are some of the more important lessons you're bringing home with you, or maybe the most memorable ones? Maybe like musically, I learned to be more independent with my learning <laughs> because I think before Singapore, I was very dependent on my. Former piano teacher,、uh, Mr. Anthony Sai. We would have like several lessons a week, sort of in preparation for a big recital or a competition.、Mm -hmm. But there, we usually stick to thirteen lessons per semester. But luckily, Mr. Tiu would give extra lessons too. When I got there, I realized that a lot of the people there they can learn pieces by themselves and sound really good, even without any tips or advices from the teachers. So. I really had to grow up fast <laughs> in order to catch up to them. I need to learn how to be self-reliant musically, and then there's also the physical part of making music. Back then, I was pretty tense, especially with my arms、uh -huh. and my wrists. And with the help of Mr. Tiu and also some other teachers, they really helped me learn how to be aware of my body、mm. and. To be more relaxed when I play, to create the right sound. Speaking of the right sound, Mr. Tu is very, very detailed about the sound that we make. He can focus on one bar for like at least ten minutes, or focus on one chord. Speaking about voicing, articulation, dynamic. So I learned to listen more, be more self-aware. What do you think were the specific disciplines, practices? 
that were necessary for you to learn uh, independence in music? I guess I keep note of what my teacher usually say in lessons. Mm -hmm. Because you don't have the luxury of having them close to you all the time. Yeah, so I have like kind of like a Mr. Two in my mind <laughs> who's giving me advices while I'm, I'm practicing. Do you still and hear then, his voice? Sometimes. <laughs> it's still quite fresh. So yeah, I keep note of what he will usually say. But then lately I've also been more... I guess it's been like ingrained into me now. So I just naturally become more aware. And when I practice also, I usually I record a lot and then listen to myself. Sometimes when I play, I don't really hear the entire thing mm. from an audience's point of view. Mm -hmm. It's only when I sit back and then listen to myself in a recording, mm -hmm. then I get to hear everything. Well, it's interesting that you try to listen to your music from the audience's perspective, as you say, rather than from the score. Now, I imagine those two are pretty linked, but that's an interesting point of view. Okay. In the meantime, we go to your upcoming concert, New Beginnings, very aptly titled. So uh, wh what is the background of this? Where does this come from? Whose idea was it? Okay, so I made this like Facebook post last April, mm -hmm. where I announced that I got admitted to Indiana University of Bloomington Jacobs School of Music. Mm -hmm with the role of associate instructor. So my fees will be covered, plus I will be given stipend. A lot of people uh, congratulated me, including Sir Joseph Oi of <laughs> Manila Chamber Orchestra Foundation. Mm -hmm. And then he actually wanted me to open a Rachmaninoff festival. But then the problem with that is, first, it's on September, which I won't be here anymore. Mm -hmm. And then second, it's Rachmaninoff Piano Concerto Number no. 2, which I haven't played <laughs> so it's obvious I couldn't do it. And then he proposed do a recital then in Manila Pianos, which I find quite, I don't know what's the right word. But basically, before the pandemic, during my freshman year in Singapore, I was actually planning to do like a homecoming concert after a year in Singapore <laughs> to do it in Manila Pianos. Like I've already coordinated with Sir Richard Sifakunda. Right. He's the one who's responsible with presenting the concerts in Manila Pianos yes. and recording them. He's been doing a lot of good work. Yeah, I found out recently that it's all like volunteer work and it's kind of like a hobby to him. Yeah. Which I find really like inspiring. Very grateful to him. Yeah, I was supposed to do a concert, but then pandemic happened mm -hmm. and then I have to stay in Singapore. So it's great that I get to have this recital in Manila Pianos on June 12. Well, the program is basically the same as my graduation recital back in Singapore. Also appropriately entitled, which is Koda. <laughs> yes. <laughs> So the planning of this recital program goes back to like the end of my third year of mm -hmm. my studies when I'm trying to plan what I should pay for my final year in Singapore. Mm -hmm. I initially figured that maybe I should pay pieces by composers that I have never played in Singapore mm -hmm. or I've never played at all in my life. So Schubert comes to mind right away because I've never played any pieces by him. Mm -hmm. And then Schumann also because I've never played it in Singapore, and he's a, quite a major romantic composer, so I sh definitely should learn to play a piece by him with Mr. Tu. I discussed this with Mr. Tu, and then he suggested that I do Schubert's piano sonata in C minor, D958, which is one of his last piano sonatas, and he composed in the year that he died. Yeah. And then Mr. Tu suggested to do the obscure fantasy stuck Opus 111, which is one of the last solo piano pieces that Schumann wrote. And then I realized that all of them start with S and C. 
some impression. <laughs> For the rest of the program, I should also do something by other composers that start with S and C. Right. So no Scarlet came to mind, and then Scriabin also. Uh-huh. And then I also realized that Schumann and Schubert, they're all late works. Mm-hmm. So I might as well do late works by Scarlatti and Scriabin. Scriabin is the Black Mass Sonata, mm-hmm. the number nine. And then Scarlatti, it's the K438 and K519, which is already nearing to the end. Quite a range from Scarlatti to Schubert and... Yeah, I mean, it's, it's like representative of each era. This is, what, three centuries of music? <laughs> yes. With Scarlatti to Scriabin. You have been mentioning that you want to play from the audience's perspective. What do you want your audience to take away from this concert? They're all late works by all these great composers who have reached kind of like the last stage of their life, Mm. who have matured so much. And I kind of feel like it's kind of the same for me, at least in terms of my last year in Singapore. I really learned so much and gained so much experiences that I want to share it all in this one recital. That's why I also named it Coda. And of course, as the cliche goes, with every end is a new beginning. Yes. (laughs) So uh, what's next for Jet Chong? Right, for the... In coming school year, I'll be headed to Indiana, to Jacobs School of Music for a master's in piano performance. I'll be studying with Dr. Spencer Meyer, Mm -hmm. who is a really, really great pianist and very recurring teacher. I also got offered the role of associate instructor in piano. So uh, with that role, I get to teach group piano classes and also individual piano lessons to non-piano majors. It can be students from other faculty Mm. or music majors who doesn't major in piano but wants to learn piano. You were asked what your teaching philosophy is, so is that something you can share with us? I just think that since each one of us has their own set of like strengths, weaknesses, traits, and personality, I think that we shouldn't apply the same method, same teaching approach to each student as we should learn to be flexible and adjust to the moment. I think that's an important perspective, especially when teaching students who are not music majors. Yes. They are coming to it from uh, outside. I guess my role as a teacher too is just to give them the tools, give them the technique, knowledge. It's not that I'm expecting them to be a great musician. It would be great if they would, but... (laughs) It would be great if they they did become one, but then... It would be nice also to see them incorporate music into their lives. Maybe they'll learn how to appreciate music or support other musicians also. Where you will be putting down roots, only time will tell. But uh, how long have you been planning this master's degree? It keeps changing, actually. When I first went into YST Conservatory, I already planned to do master's and maybe doctorate. And then throughout the years, it keeps changing, like okay, maybe math is not for me. Maybe I should explore something else. You know, I, then, I think that then, has something to do with how difficult your current subjects are. <laughs> ah, right, yeah. <laughs> or, or, how much, or how much I'm struggling in. <laughs> and so it keeps changing. But then it kind of got solidified when, during my third year mm-hmm. of studies. Yeah, I really want to do master's in piano performance. But then after master's, I'm not yet sure if I want to do like further studies even more, like DMA. So I'll see what goes on. We'll see. We'll see. Well, as a coda, what are you hoping to learn in your master's? Or maybe there's a certain area where you want to improve. Part of why I wanted to pursue master's 
in the U.S. was that I feel like there's a lot more opportunities there. Mm. Definitely compared to Singapore, which is pretty isolated from the Western side. And then I heard that Indiana has quite a rigorous academic education. They not only focus on performance, but also like in other subjects such as theory, music history, mm-hmm. and then pedagogy also. So I really hope that I'll get to work on these aspects and become a more well-rounded musician and teacher, educator.
That was pianist Jet Chong in Robert Schumann's Fantasiestücke, Opus 111. Chong performs that work, along with other late compositions by Scarlatti, Schubert, and Scriabin, in the concert New Beginnings, happening June 12, Monday, 6 p.m. at the Manila Pianos Showroom, Ronak Lifestyle Center, Makati. For more information, contact 0918-347-3027 or 0920-954-0953 or send an email to josephui2004 at yahoo.com. That is all for this Maestro Filipino, DZFE's weekly feature for fine music in our locale. Each episode airs Saturday at 12 noon, the following Sunday, 12 midnight, and lastly, the next Thursday at 8 in the evening. Maestro Filipino episodes are uploaded every week on our SoundCloud and Spotify channels. Once more, this is Daniel, and thank you for listening.